Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Well Played is part of the On Podcast Media Network, so go ahead and check them out. Today, today is season five, episode six, and the topic that we're talking about today is is trying new ideas in the classroom and we have somebody that has definitely been doing that this year william oh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i don't, don't want to butcher this last time i'm gonna say william stuchel stuchel yes stuchel <laughs> almost had it all right well nobody's perfect i'm trying yep. all right so william this is your first time on the show so i guess if you could give us a brief introduction about yourself what do you teach what do you teach uh so i am a uh, seventh grade history teacher at hillsdale middle school in elkhorn california it's part of the cajon valley union school district i teach world history um this year i actually just moved to the school and the subject before that i taught u.s history for five years in eighth grade in the same district Dang, I have so much to ask you, but it's not really on point with the conversation. <laughs> but uh, as a fellow world history teacher, welcome to the world history community there. Uh, that's interesting that you switched. Was that by choice or was that by like placement of students and that kind of thing? It was, it was a move that had been in, in the works for a little while, moving schools. And I worked with the principal at the school I'm now at uh, his my first year in the district was his last year at our school he wanted me over there and it just it finally kind of worked out where there was an opening and you know I, I jumped at the opportunity uh, knowing that I'd be going back into seventh grade from eighth grade which is I'm much better well versed in US history considering I've taught one year of seventh grade prior to this. And then the only other time I did the seventh grade curriculum, I was a seventh grader. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> well, I mean, like we said, the topic here is trying new things. That was not really on our docket, but that way to try something new. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love teaching world history. And when I took my job, again, we shouldn't dwell too much on this, but when I took my job, it was with the idea of like getting in a district and then eventually, you know, getting a American history job because like that's what we know so much more about. But I have to tell you, I've absolutely fallen in love with world history. I don't see me moving out of that space anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun. I like the specifically in the in the seventh grade medieval world version the compartmentalization it's not one narrative you're moving through different eras and different regions and different times and so you're never in one area for more than like two or three weeks before it's like all right let's move on <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of that um i mean almost thematic style organization in it in that you know, you're kind of going back to, okay, now let's talk about civilization, you know, geography, religion, and all these other things again. I love it. I love it. So, like we said, this year we had a pandemic. Don't know. I don't know if it's reached your neck of the woods, but. <laughs> Last I checked. Last you checked. It's, you know, that's right. It's a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Global. Last I, Last I heard. Last I heard. All right. So. 
Uh, I think this caused a lot of people, obviously, to do a lot of new things. And I think there's been a lot of shows on that, lots of podcasts, lots of media on that. And I get it. I get it. But I, I guess I wanted to talk teacher to teacher things mm-hmm. we've done differently, right? Like, we get it. The pandemic made us change. We get that we had to go online. But setting those things aside a little bit and actually just talking about the the actual details, like what what are some new things you tried this year? How did that go? What was it like? Um, new things I've tried this year beyond being a Zoom teacher uh, for six or eight weeks. Uh, really, I've tried a lot of new things, but also the district I'm in, I don't know if I'd call it foresight or whatnot, but we've been a one-to-one technology district for six or seven years now. So all of my students have Chromebooks. They've all, they're all well-versed on Google Classroom and using different apps and things to do. So I think that really freed me from having to teach, okay, here's how we do Google Classroom, to be like, okay, we're going to use slides or something like that to do a breakout room. So I didn't have – I we had that – learning ahead of time so it really freed me up to go the you know the creative route nice <laughs> so that kind of like was a new avenue for you a new exploration uh for me oh man did this year challenge the <laughs> heck out of me uh i teach hybrid so mm-hmm. at the same time cool. synchronous hybrid and Ugh. it's it's not easy but one of the things that i did like really shore up this year i've done it in the past but not nearly to this degree is i use a google sites for my class lesson plan and i always put like the newest one at the top so kind of blog style and it's really simple but it's been really clean and effective uh it it has like kind of our opener then it has what we're doing for class and then it has their homework and it's just always those three things and then you try to put links to whatever we're doing right if we're gonna go to a place if we're gonna say like hey go Mm -hmm. to this website and do this hey we're gonna use GimKit or whatever the link's gonna be there right it's just so the kid knows where to get everything um i'm fortunate enough that the readings that i do in my class are all pdfs as well as there's audio files for them so right on the website like i make sure i link to here's tonight's reading or you could listen to it but like before i've never taken the time to make it like that user friendly like i've just been like here's a folder with all the like audio files like go find chapter 17 and like if you want to listen to it right but here i really try to just make it that user-centric focus and that yeah. is definitely something i'm going to take out of this experience yeah. that, that level. something i'm something i'm gonna pull out is and i don't even know where I, it was somewhere on twitter which has always been the best pd i've ever had mm-hmm. um i saw somebody say something along the lines of if you're organizing your stuff by unit why not try by week and basically so my google classroom i switched from having one topic with like 40 assignments in it depending on how long we went to through just okay here's what we're doing this week so, and it's titled by, it's organized and titled by the week. And so the kids just need to know, oh, I was out this week. They just go find that one. And then it's like three or four pieces. And I've gotten feedback from a lot of the students that they really like that because they can very easily go back and see what they need. No, that's, that's super nice. So again, thinking through 
kind of that user experience for our students mm-hmm. is something that I've valued more this year uh, because we lost the in-person, right? We lost that ability right. to be like, oh, like, well, here's the handout, you know, and just hand it to them. Mm-hmm. Now I had to take that extra care. But just like you're saying, the feedback has even been really well received for the students who are in person. Like they like yeah. it and there's like a, they know where to go. It's clean, it's organized and helpful to them. So I think that's something that I definitely tried this year that was different. The other thing, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, <laughs> EMC2, I've been developing a boatload of resources uh, yep. behind the scenes. We launched in March, but all of those resources we had to like create, try, tweak, fix, you know, like make it just right. But some of the ones that I really loved uh, that were new that I've never done before this year is the uncharted territories i don't know if you've done that yet but don't think i've done that one yet that one you <laughs> all right so for this one really fun kids make almost this little like map out of these like minecraft kind of tiles on one side and then they write sort of a, a a tale to go with what's happening on that map and then we gave them all sorts of icons to put on that map too to sort of relate to the story and we give them three panels and they obviously can make a duplicate if they need a fourth panel or whatever right and uh you can do this where they write as individuals i happen to have it where they wrote as groups and the creativity that sort of just comes out of like they enjoy building that map and then all of a sudden like the experience on that writing changes because of the 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 map so that one was like a fun i've never done it before but I think the thing that I love the most about all of this that we're talking about, this whole topic, mm-hmm. is by losing what you had, it created this vacuum, this space for what could be. And I think in the normal course of life, that vacuum doesn't usually exist. So we we can kind of do the same thing and we can convince ourselves like it's okay well i added this one activity but here we had just this huge vacuum of space and while it was very challenging to build all these things and i i mean like it's tough it's tough being a teacher this year i don't want to make light of that i just think what a lesson to learn though in terms of like maybe we should be more nimble like maybe we shouldn't plan out the entire you know semester and know exactly where we're going like Maybe it should be a little more responsive teaching. Yeah, I've always been a little bit of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants type. And part of that is, you know, again, with my district, we really don't have a set history curriculum. So I've been in that build-your-own the entire time. But when we first got our, our first model of in, in school where I was only going to see each student once a week for 90 minutes, I decided then and there, you know, Normally, we do a lot of content and building that content and then, you know, using a project or something to, you know, show what the students have learned instead of just, you know, rote memorization or testing. And I realized I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that if they were coming to school once a week because I love teaching history and I love it when my students love learning history. And to do that is going to require, you know, the crazy fun stuff that we do. And so I decided once we came back that, you know, that one day a week they're here, we're going to do 
all the crazy activities. And because I had 90 minutes, I could actually get up to the crazy activities. So it was definitely just a, it's like, okay, I've been completely freed from any structures or assumptions that had previously been there. And now my mission is no longer just to engage students in history, but give them the reason to keep coming back. I love that. I mean, that is a solid, solid answer there. Uh, So you, you have these kids in these 90 minute chunks. What, uh, what are some of the activities and things that you've done that are new that you've tried? (laughs) I don't know if we have enough time. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Uh, honestly I've done, uh, like, uh, breakout edu i actually managed to get a, a kit from them so i've used some of that i've done qr break-ins um s- differing simulations again with with being a new topic everything in its own way shape or form is new uh doing you know different you know resources that i've been using on emc from emc2 which are honestly fantastic because i don't have to do the creative side of it and just honestly like i'm trying anything and everything right now because i can't and sometimes i do something and within 40 minutes i'm like okay we're gonna scratch that move this and you know modifying because it doesn't either fit my students right or it doesn't fit my personality right but you know it just this whole year has been let's try new things let's break out of just okay we're giving them an ed puzzle and now they're gonna do this and now they're gonna and let's actually get them working with the content in different ways. I love that. I, somebody once told me that they, they feel my students are going to be ready for anything in this world because <laughs> just the amount of stuff I throw at them, like, and like your story there of like being freed up from that normal path to like, say today we're trying this tomorrow we're trying this like we're on a qr break-in oh then we're doing you know some simulation then we're gonna do uh breakouts then we're gonna do some emc2 resource right like i think that there is great value there is great value in consistency i'm not trying to say that there's no value there but i think sometimes the inconsistency we lose sight of that because I think by and large, many educators are very organized. Like that is a common trait of a lot of educators. Mm-hmm. But I think having students deal with the unexpected can be a very powerful tool. And so if we can get ourselves to try new resources a lot, I think that is good for both the student and the teacher. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really helped me with that this year was that that switch in content is my first two years of eighth grade history was really kind of figuring out how I wanted to build it and where I was going. And then my next three years was really refining that content that I built. So, I mean, I had a lot more, pre, not pre-programmed, but I had a lot more that I had already done and I knew how to work and use. And then switching into a completely different, you know, medieval world history topic line, it's like, well, the ideas are still there in terms of like the pedagogy side, but none of the content is the same. So if we're redoing all the content, we can just feel free to take what's worked out of that and then build something better. That, I mean, that really speaks to today's topic, right? Of Mm -hmm. trying something new. And I like how you worded 
take the content, right? The content can be your constant. Mm-hmm. But how you deliver that, how you explore that, what do you do with it? How are we playful with it? That can be the experimental piece. And yeah. I think when we start to frame it that way, it's less daunting. Like mm-hmm. you probably know the content. Well, this is your first year on it. But I mean, like for a lot of us that have taught our particular subject, they, you know where you want to go. Like you know what you're teaching. But now let's put those energies towards the how you're teaching it. Yeah, what. it's it's kind of a weird place to, to sit there and be like, you know, if, where you are just in that build mode where you're back in that, okay, you know, I've got this idea. Can I make that happen? And I've always, what is that? What has been your experience? What's the answer? Uh, Can you make uh, it happen? (laughs) Most of the time? Yes. Some of the times it's going to cost me way too much money. Um, And then other times it's not applicable in our current situations, just based on like the amount of time we really have. Uh, when I worked at my other school, I had a fantastic eighth grade team and we would do, um, just these month long, huge projects on like a single subject. And we were able to do just a lot more because we had everybody, but we could also take time from each other. And, but we had, the you know, the whole eighth grade doing it. Whereas with our, you know, stable grouping and stuff like that, it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to get that interaction and change and collaboration, but it's, you know, what does it look like? <laughs> Sorry about the bang on the table there. <laughs> That's all right. So I, uh, you can, but you, I guess you've done it though. Like you said, you, you've mm-hmm. explored all those. So they might not have all happened. Like you said, maybe one's too costly, but yeah, you've taken the time to sort of go down the Avenue a little bit and, I always think there's a bit of creative parkour that goes on, right? So like maybe you went down that path, but that puts you in a mental space to bounce off and then maybe maybe do the right answer somewhere else. Yeah, and it's you know, my my team members who I planned these projects with, they they could always tell the moment when I suddenly had the idea is because I just kind of like stood up and I just started blabbering. And I was I was operating on like 15 different steps at the same time, and they're just kind of sitting there, and I'm like I'm trying to diagram out, you know, how we're going to get from point A to point B to point Z with a detour through, you know, three, four, or five different areas. And I've always enjoyed that side of teaching, where you do get to get rid of the expectations of what it should be and develop what it could be. Powerful words. That's a, that's a big shift. Um, one thing that my students have really enjoyed this year, which was new for me, I really leaned into the power of Google. <laughs> I know it sounds so crazy, woo, but when Google Classroom came out and it was really easy to push out individual copies for every student, I'm going to admit that is the moment in which I started to use Google Classroom a lot, use Google Docs a lot. Like I love the, 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 the graph went super up, but then it crashed. I'm going to be honest. It crashed for me because what I noticed was 
once I could easily push things out to all students and then collect things from all students, Google just turned into kind of just a digital worksheet then. I mean, like, so I was like, what am I doing? Like, like why? Like, what? <laughs> okay. And that was years ago, right? So I've steered away from really using Google Classroom uh, in its entirety. I still use Google products, but just I don't really use Google Classroom. Then the pandemic hit and it was like, oof, like we need easy way to collect all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, long story short, what I really tinkered with was the collaborative features of Google. Like, can we come up with activities? I can't do the group work the way I want to. I want them at a table. I want them talking. I want them, you know, building something together. I can't do that. But I can on Google. Like, we can do Jamboards, Google Slides, and we can do this thing where, like, in this same space, they're creating together, working together, helping each other. And that that was really I don't want to say new because that's an old feature but leaning into it and turning the dial from like a use of two to like wham let's jack this all the way up to 10 uh that's right I dig it spinal <laughs> tap nice reference uh yeah so that was sort of different for me and I love it I, and that is something that I will tell you I'm going to keep even post pandemic this idea of I've always been big on collaborative group work, but it's typically been hands-on, you know, the middling with Legos or something. I will keep some of this digital collaborative work that I have developed. Yeah, it's it's always interesting, I found, what happens when you just sit and listen in the classroom. And I'm not like the kids are talking to me, but like they're just talking to each other. And it's funny because like in my advisory class and my, my, one of my history classes, they have a uh, class discord server so that they can all get on and work with each other and talk to each other at different times. And just all these different things that they're doing during this pandemic specifically to have that contact and that collaboration. And we can choose to fight things that they're going to do anyways as soon as they walk out the door or kind of like what you're, you're talking about there. We can choose to embrace things and bring it into, you know, our pedagogy and our, and our curriculum and, you know, meet the students where they're at. Such a more profound and powerful thing to do when you meet them where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and trying to think through ways we can do that and reminding ourselves of that because I think sometimes we get so mission focused or district focused that we lose sight of the fact that we have 11 year olds in front of us so let's <laughs> what what do those 11 year olds need I get that your district has a scope and sequence I get that you have district assessments but like no kid cares about that and right. that doesn't mean it's not valuable but I just how can we make sure we're tapping into the relationships of the people we have in front of us yeah, last I checked, a seventh or an eighth grader really doesn't care if you're hitting whatever standard you're supposed to be teaching. It's they so do true. care whether what, what they're learning applies to them. That's right. Finding that application. I have a teacher I work with. He has a giant poster, like giant, like he went to one of these, like it's a banner. It's like <laughs> eight feet long or something like that, nine feet long. And all it says is, why does this matter? And that question right that 
students sometimes ask us, why do we learn this? Why, why is this important? He decided to put that on a giant poster, challenge himself almost on a daily basis. That is the only thing, that is his only target that he's trying to hit every day. Like he wants to show value to what they're doing every day. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I think that's, yeah, that's that's definitely something, I, not that we've necessarily lost, but that we need to, to keep in mind is, you know, who is the end user of, our our job and it, it's it's not us it's not our superintendents or our principals it is the student in the seat you know they are the person who you know we need to be working towards they're the person who if they're struggling to understand something it might not necessarily just be an issue on their end if we're failing to elaborate or discuss or present that material or give them access to that material in a way that they can access it. You know, it's not just them, it's also us. And I really do think that, you know, it's something I've done a little before, but I did in January where I I gave the kids a survey about me and everything I'd been doing. I said, I'm the only one who's seen this. Tell me what you, tell me what you need to tell me. You know, and I got some incredibly valuable feedback out of that. Super powerful. I am a huge proponent of feedback. I actually ask my kids anytime I'm trying something new with them that like they haven't done before, even if I've done it before, Mm -hmm. I position to them like, I love feedback. You know, I'm always trying to make my class as good as I can make it for you. So like more often than I do it. And it takes two minutes, three minutes. Kids raise their hand. I really liked this. It was fun that we got to work with each other. I really liked that we got to build this or you know whatever the feedback is but then it puts it in your head when you're sitting down on a saturday or a sunday building out your lessons for this week and you're like they really did like like working together and like oh they really liked the building component like maybe i can do something similar on this next lesson right and then literally i use the words you know because of your guys feedback this lesson i'm trying to do this that and the other and then all of a sudden like what he like he listens to us (laughs) and then like the next time you ask for feedback, all of a sudden the quality of that feedback goes way up. It's like the first time you ask kids for feedback, sometimes it can be like, how about like no homework or something, right? Like I get it, get all those jokes out of your your body and your system, but like once they see you, you are valuing and using the feedback, that feedback becomes very powerful. Yeah, it's almost like they're blown away that an adult will listen to a teen. That's super true. <laughs> Uh, super true well we are at reflection time and we have a pretty darn good quote that goes with today by John Uckoff and uh, the quote goes be brave enough to be bad at something new how's that hit yeah. you how's that uh, hit you William that one is yeah, I mean I've seen that before and I always think about it because as teachers we feel so much like we have to be perfect like we can't show you know mistakes or errors because then the students will see it as a sign of weakness and then once they see it as a sign of weakness they're going to attack that weakness and you know you've lost them and for me you're giving everybody ptsd right now i'm a middle school teacher (laughs) (laughs) um but just it hits me in the way that it is something that i i always try to remind myself that if I'm not growing as a teacher, be it through better understanding, better learning, better methods, whatever, 
I'm stagnant and that's not good for my students. So I have to be willing to be able to be foolish, to, to fail. I have to be willing to fail and actually to model that failure for my students. Because, you know, if I'm not willing to learn for them, why should they learn from me? Wow. That was a, wow. That was, <laughs> I'm like speechless. Like that's not where I was going to go with it, but I love it. This idea of being like, we're modeling for them. If we're giving them this idea of being lifelong learners, but we're <laughs> just not really growing. And every time there's a new change that comes by, you're like complaining about the change. These kids change classrooms nine times a day, get asked to do nine different things a day, you know, like, whew, that's a powerful way to look at it. So for me, I was going to spin it this way, that uh, a little bit like your beginning, that we have this like perfectionist sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And as such, I'm going to challenge us. Many of us play it safe most of the time. I think everyone has a lesson they tried someday and now it's their thing that like, hey, once a year, I can't wait till we get to that simulation. Kids, you're gonna really like it when we do that thing over there. But we forget like that that thing, that, that shining example of what you're super excited for your kids, that rally point was actually probably a day that you went off script, right? That was a day that you tried like, oh, I found this on Twitter. I don't know. It's not really, okay, I'm going to try it. And then that turned into this cool piece that you now rotate in every year and you love. But again, if all the other days you're following that normal path, challenge yourself to like go down the different path a little more often. It's okay. It's okay. It it's is. Gonna be, it's, it's scary. But it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I also will say, on some level, we have to, as educators, get off this like Hollywood, dangerous mind sort of mindset of teaching. Like, I'm sorry. I would argue no single lesson, no single lesson, concepts, yes, but no single lesson we do in school is make or break, right? Like, you could have a bad teach them to read lesson and they'll still learn to read, right? Like mm -hmm. there is no mission critical moment or day, uh, in my opinion. So when we apply all that pressure, we box ourselves in and just like our kids, just like our kids, when we do that, when we start to fear that failure, then our confidence shrinks. And then what we do becomes this very narrow path. Well, then I'm going to just do the worksheets. I'm going to just do the lecture. I'm going to make sure I rubric everything so I can prove why I gave this kid a B. But like, is it good for the learner? Like, oh, we. but I don't know. I just don't want to like, I just want to exist in this little narrow band. Uh, and that's, that's not good. That's not good for us. So like, let's not put that pressure of perfectionism on us and actually put, maybe the pressure of being more exploratory on us like go be the teacher lead your students by forging new paths right like yep. what, I mean, one thing we know for sure about tomorrow the, like the thing that they're going to go off and be is it's going to be different than today so making yep. every today the same as yesterday isn't really great <laughs> no and I just always think you know would I want to be a student in my class it's a powerful question to ask. Yeah. And if that, if that answer is no, then I need to do better. Well, 
thank you so much for being on the show today. Loved having you, William. Uh, I hope both of us continue to explore new challenges and continue to push ourselves to do the best we can do. Uh, but I, truly, it was awesome to chat with you today. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Everyone else, uh, once again, I'm Michael Matera, and this is Well Played, and we are part of the On Podcast Media Network. Definitely go check out their website and stay connected. Share your ideas and check us out on emc2learning.com for all sorts of wonderful lessons and activities. Enjoy your week and play on.